1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. As we read this account of David and Goliath, we can understand that in this chapter we see some beautiful pictures and allegories of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, we begin to read about David and Goliath and we read that the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. So the Philistines gathered together to fight against the children of Israel. And David's father, Jesse, sends his youngest son, David, to bring food to his three older brothers which are in camp against the Philistines. So David goes down as the youngest brother to the side of the battle and he brings these various articles and items of food that his father gives him to his three brothers. And we read in the previous chapter that David was already known for his artful playing of the harp. He was an excellent musician. You might think we have some musicians that are known across the country today. Some of whom I approve of, some of whom I do not recommend. We have various musicians across the country that are very well known for their art. And David was well known, like one of these musicians. Saul's servant tells Saul that this man is known for his cunning playing, for his artful playing. This man is a very skilled musician. We're told that he was a valiant man. He has the reputation of being a man of war. And he goes up against this giant. (laughs) This man is not ill-equipped to fight this giant. He has the reputation of being a mighty man. Mm -hmm. But yet he was very out of place. When he comes into this encampment, we read in uh, the 26th verse, we're told what um, Saul said would be done to the man that kills the Philistine. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? 1 Samuel 26, verse... 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David comes before one of the greatest enemies of the children of Israel. Not only is this the Philistine nation, this is their greatest champion. David is about to go up against one of the greatest enemies of Israel again. Mm -hmm. And he's very seemingly out of place. Although he was capable, people doubted him in this account. And so, and David is given armor by Saul in verse 39. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he is saved to go for he had not proven. In other words, he halted before he went because he realized that I haven't fought in this armor before. Now you'll see in many cartoons that David was this very, very small, skinny guy, kind of like me. And he wasn't able to bear the armor that Saul gave him. I don't believe that was the case. We're told that David was a mighty man, that he was of a beautiful countenance, that he was good to look upon. But he understood that clothed in this armor with this sword and probably shield and spear, this is not how I'm supposed to go fight the enemies of the Lord. This is not how I'm about to go out this morning. And you all understand what happens. David goes out to meet the giant. He kills the giant with a sling. And he decapitates and takes away the head of the giant. And he takes that head in the end of the chapter to the city of Jerusalem in verse 54 of 1 Samuel 17. I know we're skipping around here. Bear with me. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. So David takes the head of the Philistine, of the Philistine that he's just conquered, and takes it to Jerusalem which is about 15 miles away from the Valley of Elah where they, are here, where they are in this account. 
Now this morning I'll submit to you that there are some very important similarities that we must realize between David and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, when He came here to walk upon this earth, He was not anything that the Jews envisioned that He would be. When they heard of the Messiah, they pictured a man with fire in his eyes and a sword of his and a sword in his hand that will come to purge the Romans out of their land. But instead, he showed up, born in a stable in Nazareth. He was known as a Nazarene, basically the town of the half breeds. I don't mean to be offensive by that term, but it was literally translated as a town of no repute. It was a town of fishermen. It was a town of carpenters. It was a town of a mixed bag of jack of all trades. And Jesus comes from that town and He goes up at the end of His ministry to face down the greatest enemy of the spiritual children of Israel. I submit to you today, you're the children of Israel here this morning. You have been elected and predestinated by God God Himself Mm -hmm. to the adoption of sons. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and at the time appointed, which God knows, He will come to gather you home to your full extent of your adoption, to the home that He has waiting for us. That is what you have been appointed for. And this morning, and as we read in this account, David goes up against the chosen, the enemies of the chosen people of Israel in order to defeat their greatest enemy. Now there is a hill right outside Jerusalem that I'm sure you're all familiar with. Some call it Calvary, some call it Golgotha. It's literally translated as the hill of the skull, right? And tradition states that when David took the head of this giant, he took it to that hill, and he stood on top of that hill, and he held it up for his enemies to see. This time, Jerusalem was not a Jewish city. And I'm sure he said, look, look what I've done. Amen. This is the enemy of the Lord. I know that's a very gruesome picture. We don't like to think about this this morning, but it was a very competitive, warlike world at this time. Armies were clashing. Battles were being fought. And David stood as just a lad who seemed so ill-accustomed to the manner of warfare that he was engaging in. And he said, look, this is the enemy of the Lord. Are you seeing that this morning? Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ went to the hill of Golgotha apparently ill-equipped for the task at hand, a carpenter from Nazareth. And he faced down one of the greatest enemies of the spiritual children of Israel that has ever been. He faced down death itself. And that day when he sacrificed his life, as he hung upon that cross, he could have justly said, look, look at the enemy that I have conquered this day. Look at the enemy that I have conquered this day. I may look like a carpenter from Nazareth, but I am the Son of God. Come here to save my chosen people from their sins. The Lord came down as one of us, seemingly very ill-accustomed for the task at hand. What I mean by that is in Isaiah chapter 53, you can turn with me this morning to Isaiah the 53rd chapter, and we'll read about how the Lord did not look like the Jews thought He would. Again, as I said before, the Jews pictured Jesus coming down as the Messiah purged the Roman influence from their land. At the time of Jesus, the Jewish world was occupied by the Romans. And they pictured Jesus coming down with a sword in His hand to form an army to purge out these Romans from their land and establish an earthly kingdom. But this morning in Isaiah the 53rd chapter, we read, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We're reading this morning about how many people looked at Jesus Christ and saw Him for whom He really was, the Son of God. Who hath believed our report? The answer is it was very, very few. 
It was none. At the time that Jesus hung on the cross, all had abandoned Him. His twelve disciples had left, and it was only Him. And during those three hours, God the Father poured out His wrath upon Him. Who Who believed the report? Which men believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah come to save His people from their sins? No one did. We read, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Was it revealed to anyone? It was revealed at times, but at the time that He went to defeat the greatest enemy, there was none at His right hand. In verse 2, For He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. What does this phrase tender plant mean? We have some sweet potatoes in our garden right now. We've got a bunch of a big, couple big gardens scattered throughout our land, and one of those has sweet potatoes in it. And it has always amazed me how at this time of year, those sweet potatoes can go from a little slice of potato with a potato eye on it to some big, luxurious plant with a big, fat sweet potato on it that you pull out of the ground. We're reading about this this morning. Jesus was a root out of the dry ground. He was not anything weak. He was not anything superfluous, but yet He grew out of the dry ground. People looked at Him and did not see Him for what He really was. When I look at a plant growing out of dry ground, I don't think sweet potato. I think that's a ragweed. I need to get my hoe and chop that out of the garden. Jesus Christ grew in an out-of-place world. He didn't belong in this world. He's like you all this morning. Because He died for your sins and because... God the Father elected and predestinated you to the adoption of sons before the world was. You do not belong in this world anymore. This is like the dirty orphanage that we reside in until the Lord comes, us to, comes to take us to his, our final home. And this morning as we read about Jesus Christ, He was like that. When men looked on Him, He had no form nor comeliness. He was not desirable for His beauty. He is despised in verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. This man did not, Jesus Christ did not grow up in the best of circumstances. Think about this this morning. If you have someone who is well esteemed in our country, what are they esteemed for? They may be esteemed because they are a superior athlete to all you young men out there this morning and myself. I know a lot of us desire that to be a superior athlete. That may be one reason someone is esteemed in our country. They may be esteemed because they are of a pleasing physical appearance. They may be some kind of model, whether male or female. And so they're plastered up on our screens and on magazines and everywhere they turn, they're here and there and thither and yon because they are of a very pleasing physical appearance. We're not told that Jesus was like that. We're not told that He was held up in the higher echelons of society because He was of a pleasing physical appearance, or because He was an athlete, or because He was rich. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. The Lord Jesus Christ was treated much like David was when He came to the camp of the Israelites. When He came to the camp of the Israelites, His brother mocked Him, saying, I know why you've come here. You've come to see the battle. You've come to see what trouble you could get into. That's what people told Jesus Christ. They didn't recognize the mission that He came to accomplish. Amen. They saw that He was just there and He was just a, he was just a carpenter's son. Yeah. He was Joseph's son. Mm. From all appearances, born through some illicit relationship. Mm. They didn't understand 
that. And I submit to you today, we would not have, we would not have understood it either. We're not told they hid, as it were, our, their faces from Him. We're told we hid our faces Amen. from Him. Because I submit to you this morning, every time that we forget on a daily basis what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we're hiding our faces from Him. That's what the people, people did during the time of Jesus Christ. Every time I commit a sin, and I forget that for every sin I commit, that's another lash on Jesus' back. Yeah. That is another moment of pain. That is another moment where the Father turned His face away from His own Son. I have forgotten what Jesus came to accomplish. Right. Yes. That strikes me to my knees oftentimes when I think about it's another lash on His back. It's another moment of pain He had to endure. And as we read about this this morning, we understand that Jesus was mocked and He was ridiculed. Mm-hmm. You didn't come to kill the Philistine. As David, as was told to David, you did, you can't kill the Philistine. You're not capable. You came to see what trouble you could get into, and yet Jesus was treated like this. But surely, in verse four, but surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. David took the brunt of the battle away from the children of Israel. Amen. When he took all of the battle away from the That's children right. of Israel. In fact, when you go read about what happened after he slew the giant Goliath, the whole Philistine army turned tail and fled. Yeah. And the children of Israel went and slaughtered them as they wanted to and took spoils and immediately went back to where they to their to their home. Amen. He took all the battle, the full extent, the brunt of their pain and their grief and their wounds and the dead men lying dying on the field. He took all of that upon himself. David was a mere man. I tell you, the Son of God took our battle when he went to the hill of Golgotha. Most likely on that same hill that David stood, on that same hill that the head of Goliath was placed, Jesus Christ breathed his last, taking the brunt of the force, all of the fight, away from his children. Now, and try to endeavor to tie all that together this morning. We read about David as a seemingly out of place young man. He went to the battlefield to deal with what he knew needed to be dealt with. He came and he found an issue. The Lord knew of the problems that we had. The Lord knew of the bondage that we would be under. The Lord knew the eternal consequences that we would have to pay if He did not deal with the problems. And he came and dealt with it as David did. He walked into the camp regardless of what anyone said and he went out to face the greatest enemy that the children of Israel had. Amen. And he defeated that enemy. Uh, this morning, I will call to remembrance what we have learned from this account. I've read this account so many times and it was not until my dad, Elder Neil Honey, took us to devotion one night I saw some of the richness contained in this passage. I hope you've seen it this morning. I've been blessed to see it in the past. Mm. It's such a blessing to be with you all here this morning. I hope I'll get to know you better. Thank you for your time.